Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today uh, through our podcast. We're happy to do this each and every week as we look at the sermon from this past Sunday and just talk about it maybe a little more in depth uh, as pastors here at the table. Uh, And so hopefully that's something you enjoy. Hopefully it's something you get the chance to listen to. Hopefully it's encouraging and helpful and causes you maybe even to dig in deeper yourself uh, personally into the Word of God. We've been in a series on worship now for 11 weeks. I think this was the 11th sermon, right around there. And looking at worship, what is it? Why do we do it? How do we do it? How are we called to do it? All these different things. And so lately we've been in a part of of this series where we're looking at public worship, we're looking at corporate worship, and we're saying, what are the elements? What are the what are the things that we do uh, when we get together, and why why do we do it uh, this way? You know, what is what is the reason for it? And there could probably be a lot of reasons of why we do the things we do. Um, some of it could just be tradition of what churches have done in the past. I think of like uh, colleges, and they have these big ceremonies for their football games. And you could, when you go to these football games, like if you go to a new place and you're like, why do they do this? Why do, why, why do they do it this way? And it's like, it's tradition, right? It's just something mm-hmm. that's been done and the fans all like it, right? And it kind of pumps them up, but they kind of have their own little liturgy, their own little things that they, that they do. Uh, but why, well, how do we get what we do in worship, right? When we come together, you know, <clears throat> and we're, what we're saying in this series is it needs to come from the word of God. God tells us what we should be doing. We don't really have the right to come here to worship God and say, we're just going to do it however we want. You know, this is what we're going to do today. We can't, we can't do that because God has ordained some things for us to do. And so uh, we looked at our ordinances. We looked at baptism. We looked at Lord's Supper. And this week we focused on two more uh, areas, two more things that scripture uh, tells us to do faithfully as a church. And that is uh public reading of his word, and also preaching his word. And so we looked at 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we read that whole chapter, but really uh, the key verse in there for these topics is verse 13, and I'm not at 1 Timothy 4, are you? Anybody else? I'm not prepared. I'm not ready. I apologize. (laughs) What does it say, Spencer? Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. All right, so it's kind of... Sorry, it's kind of cut and dry there. Uh, But so yesterday, we do this on Monday. I think it comes out on Wednesday. We do this on Monday. Yesterday was not a comfortable sermon for me. It wasn't a, I've always wanted to preach a sermon on preaching. And then as I was studying and preparing it, I thought this was dumb to want to do this. Uh Recent being, and maybe it showed because I did have a member come to me and say, it seemed like you were straining preaching this morning. I didn't go any further, like, what, what do you mean? Uh, but I was like, okay, yeah, oh, I kind you. of felt that way. Thanks <laughs> yeah. for that compliment. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I did feel that way because it is uncomfortable talking about something that you are the one to do especially when I'm talking about the authority of God's word and then the authority of the pastor and preaching God's word when it's done faithfully. And I'm talking about the part of service that I normally, as the pastor, am the one up there doing. And so it just feels awkward to say those things. Um, And so I feel like it's, what I feel like is everybody in that room is looking at me and saying, of course he's saying this. That's what it feels like. I don't, Hopefully not everybody's saying that, but when you look around, that's the feeling that you get. And so it's just an uncomfortable thing to talk about. But I, when in studying it, and we went, I went to First Timothy four. Uh, Paul is talking to Timothy, who is a pastor. He's a young pastor. He's, I guess, you, he's one of the first pastors, right? He's he's one of the first pastors uh, that we ever have, and. Paul is trying to write to him to encourage him, but also to teach him to say, this is what you should be doing as a pastor. And now this sermon wasn't on pastors necessarily, but again, it's the pastors who preach and and teach in the church. And he tells Timothy very clearly, we see this in chapter four, that the main focus of his job is 
what I what I called Word of God ministry, focused on teaching, preaching, reading the Word of God to the people. And it's just a fascinating thing that this is what Paul would tell him to do, because I don't know if that would always be the recommendation nowadays for young pastors. Hmm. More, more times it's, and I, I used to hear this, you need to go into that church and love them. That was the, that was the, what I was given. It's like, okay, I don't know what that means, but I think what it meant was <clears throat> get to know them, befriend them, uh, fellowship with them, be kind to them, all good things. But I don't know if in the, in the definition of love them was a high emphasis of know God's word really well and make sure you're teaching it to them well. I'm not saying I never got told that. I, did, I was told that to be a man of the word and preach the word and be faithful to the word. I, I would hear that. But it seemed to be pushed on me a little more, again, as a newer pastor, younger, was go in and love them well. Um, again, not bad advice, but it seems like that's not Paul's advice necessarily here. Hmm. He says something different, which is, hey, they're going to want to hear things and you're going to say different things, and they're not going to like what you're saying, but I need you to keep saying those things because this is what the Word of God says, right? He says he says there early on in, in chapter 4, um, in latter times some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits, teachings of demons, through the insincerity of liar, liars whose consciences are seared, right? And then he goes on to talk about what some of those things will be, forbidding marriage, requiring abstinence from food, all this. And he's saying, Timothy, you, you've got to fight against those things. Put the truth before them. Let them know what God's word says. Let them know where we stand on that. And and when he when he says how to do that is why we read verse 13, right? Read them the word, exhort it, and teach it to them. And so uh, it seems to be of the utmost importance for the church that their pastor is doing this. And so what plays out, and I guess I didn't talk about this too much yesterday, maybe I should have, but was... Uh, how that plays out is we do that in worship when we gather together because that's the natural place for the pastor to preach is in the worship service, uh, right, as we as we come. And we see early on in the New Testament that that seems to be the first day of the week, the church is gathering together, observing Lord's Supper together, eating together, and there would be teaching and exhortation uh, from the pastor. Or Paul would write a letter, they'd read the letter to the church and, and talk about it. Uh, I don't. I don't have a question for you guys. I just did it all. <laughs> well, I was just going to say something. I was thinking of when you were talking about, you know, Paul's emphasis to Timothy is teach them right, bring the scriptures before them, explain them, exhort them. Um, compared with the advice that you had heard, you said about of go in and love them. That's kind of uh, that's um, maybe what you were hearing there was the opposite of what I've heard a lot. Uh, also um that's also not teach them but go in and you as the pastor have to be the one with the grand vision for this church mm -hmm. and the plan for this church and they're bringing you in because you're their leader and you have to go in and be ready to lead them and be ready to fight the sheep uh that you're trying to lead and so the advice to love them seems to be going against that but i think that gets pushed on pastors a lot um a lot of pastoral training or um, yeah, every uh, missionary training even. I've been through with quite a few teams hiring pastors, and the team always asks them, what's your vision for the church? Yeah. <laughs> I always thought that was unfair because it's like, I've never been here before. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah I right. don't know yeah. any yeah. of you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. Well, I, th I, I think that's um, – I've heard that a lot, yeah, that too. pastors yeah. oh, are yeah. supposed to be the ones with the vision for the church, which that's true in a sense, but that's gained from – the word of God of what is a faithful church, what you were getting at in, in that, like that my vision is to be faithful. Yeah. I always heard that verse in Psalms where there is no vision, the people perish. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, and yeah. it was taken as what you're talking about is vision, but it's actually the law, the yeah. word, that's mm -hmm. the word for vision yeah. there. Is so <laughs> in those circles, what seems to be emphasized mm -hmm. is, um, your training as a capable leader, mm -hmm. uh, in, in a situation like a church, mm -hmm. um, not necessarily, your training as a capable teacher, mm -hmm. right? And fa being faithful to the scriptures, yeah. 
So I, I've seen that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the same thing. Like, I mean, thankfully in my undergrad years, you know, this is like 25 years ago, but Dr. Bieberstein was the preaching professor and he really drilled it into our heads. Feed the flock. Your, your pastoral duty, you know, Acts um, 7, you know, is to, you know, the, the ministry of the prayer and word in the word, you know, and, and you focus on preaching the word. But I noticed when I, especially when I went through like church planting training, the, sh- the emphasis started to shift to more of like an entrepreneur type of pastor, you know, and churches started hiring executive pastors, et cetera, mm-hmm. to kind of, um, you know, and the John, I mean, John Maxwell leadership was big, like early on when I first started in pastoral ministry of like, leadership and there's some good stuff in that absolutely but i think that it's it's pushed i think pastors and in training it's pushed away from the you know keep the main thing the main thing that old saying to being more like yeah the word but also this 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 and this mm-hmm. you know these different dynamics and these different entrepreneurial type of and so i think your 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 message was right on because it's just that this is what we have in scripture leadership is good you know um, personal development, all that kind of stuff is good, but this is the main thing mm-hmm. that we have to keep on. So, that's good. yeah. And so, when it comes to our worship service, uh, we had this discussion as pastors. Dave wasn't here yet; it was during COVID. Uh, but when everything was going on with COVID, and we we're like, "What are we gonna? What are we gonna do?" Because so many questions were up in the air, right? With we didn't know about this uh, this sickness, this virus. And what you were hearing was not good, you know, and it was like, well, man, we don't want all of our people to pass away because of, of COVID and all this. And so what are we going to do? And, and then when we started to learn, you know, so we, we started going online doing all that, but when we started gather, when we decided to gather back together, they were still saying, you know, if you're going to get together, at least don't, don't sing, don't shake hands, uh, don't do like a fellowship time, don't pass a plate. They were, they were kind of laying out all this stuff. And so the question that kind of arose with us is saying, if we have to pare down our services, what are the essentials? What's the essential things that we have to do to be faithful here in our service? And so we had that discussion uh, in trying to whittle that stuff down. Uh, and it and it was difficult because, like we're talking about in this in this series, we think there's some things you have to do, baptism, Lord's Supper, like how are we going to do that? Because it's something we we need to do, uh, not just to honor God in it, but something we need also. It's something God has given us. Uh, but for me, as we talked about that, was you know if if we can't sing, if they're telling us don't sing, that's okay. We maybe we don't do that. I know it says to do that, but what we can't not do, though, we can't come here and not read the word and have it preached to us. Because if we don't do that, then I don't know why we're coming here, right? There's not a there's not a point to it then, or to call it worship, anyways. Um, and I think that's important because I do think that for some, that has been watered down. That there's things that I don't know if they would say it's more important than the preaching and the reading of the word, but I do know that they would say it is definitely on level playing field. So that would be my stance is as we're doing this in worship, what needs to be priority is the reading of God's word and the preaching of God's word above the other things that are happening there. What are your guys' thoughts on that? Yeah, I think behind all of this discussion is... You've got one level we're talking about how we understand preaching, but behind that and more basic to that is an understanding of what the word of God is. And, um, and so when the word of God is already there in verse three of Genesis chapter one, mm-hmm. where God speaks and creates, let there be light. And so, uh, the word of God is not, um, is is powerful that's how god creates the world that's how he recreates sinners that's how he that's how um you you mentioned you you read romans chapter 10 that's how we're saved Mm -hmm. faith comes through hearing and hearing through the word of god um so i think behind that is 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 we need to recapture um uh theology and understanding of what happens when god speaks and God tells us in Isaiah um, chapter what fifty five, um, 
he talks about how his word, he says, my word goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I send it. So that's why it is so important whenever the word of God is being read and then interpreted and preached and taught in conformity with what is actually in the book, God is speaking and that is, and that is, um, he is powerfully doing something there. And sometimes we have a theology of the word, which is, well, God did his part and now it's all up to us. But actually what's happening is we are, we pray and we ask that God, God's word would have its way in our hearts and in our lives, that we would receive the implanted word with meekness. And when we receive that word, we receive his word of forgiveness. We receive his word uh, that tells us about our sin. And then we receive uh, his word that, that transforms us and calls us now to live a new life in Christ. So I think behind that, if people had it could meditate and reflect on those verses in the Bible that really talk about what God is doing when he speaks, I think that would then recapture a really helpful thing about why we're talking about preaching and reading the scripture. And what that does then for the preacher is it's not your job to make up anything. You're simply the instrument to bring what is in the text to us. And this is, um, you see something similar in the Old Testament with uh, Ezra, whenever they read the, the scriptures to the people after the exodus or after the, the exile and they come back, it says here that they read from the book, from the law of God clearly, and they gave the sense so that the people understood the reading. So they read the book and then they said, but here's, so you understand what the book is saying. Mm-hmm. And that's all we're doing. Mm-hmm. We're trusting God to speak through that. Mm-hmm. Now, what that does, though, is that it actually, by what that does then is what we've talked about before. The pastor so often today, we even use that. There are people that have the title of pastor of vision. Mm-hmm as if your vision should be unique from this person's vision. But whenever you go back here to the word of God, what this actually does is it actually then bring, makes us, it, it, it destroys all of the, the emphasis on differences in churches. And it should be bring back the truth of, of uh, the, the truth that all Christians should hold together. Mm-hmm. Cause sometimes that idea of being a pastor of vision is you need to find your unique, your unique perspective on what this church should be. But our church shouldn't be so unique that we lose the small C Catholicity of the faith. Mm -hmm. And so what actually happens is we're trying to highlight our differences so that we stand out from everybody else rather than simply letting the word of God drive it. And that's actually going to make us highlight commonalities with true Christians. Um, that the word, I don't know if that makes sense what I'm saying. I don't know if this is as big now as it was, but when I was in college, the big thing was mission statements and vision statements. Yes. And I struggled with it greatly because I'm like, I don't understand the difference between the mission statement and vision statement. They seem like the same thing. Like you need to have one. And so I would have, I would have classes and part of the assignment was like, write your mission statement, write your vision Mm -hmm. statement. And Spencer to what you were saying, I don't think I thought this because I was wise or anything. I I think it was, I'm thankful God had it in my head, but I remember thinking, Shouldn't we all have the same one as a church? I mean, shouldn't it all be the same? Like we have the same mission and the vision is given to us. Right. Right. It's not something new and drastic. Uh, And it it became about creativity, Mm -hmm. which I'm not, I guess. And that's why I never probably, I never did well on that stuff. I didn't like it. Uh, But yeah, it was like kind of driven into me of like, this is what you got to do. And you're right. It was to to stand out. And I remember as a young pastor, I remember driving down Telegraph. I think it was, I think it was Telegraph uh, Road one day. And I saw a a billboard in town and it said something like, this is not your grandma's church. We do it different. Mm -hmm. Come here to this church. And I was like, gosh, that's, I remember thinking, what a horrible sign to attract people. What's wrong with grandma's church? I mean, if they were good and faithful to there the word, there were Christians yeah. before us, yeah, right? It's like you're just ripping on them, and you—that church to me was just separating themselves from all other churches, right? Which is not, which is not a Christian-minded at all. There's no Christian kindness in it. There's just like mm-hmm. almost like we're the true ones here, right? You know, and it was like, man, this just doesn't didn't sit with me well, but. That does permeate into church life, that, and we have to be careful uh, with that, not just as pastors, but as church members also, mm-hmm. uh, of being enticed. And I kind of 
put that back to First uh, Timothy four and the message. I kind of talked about that. You know, of pastors aren't CEOs. We're not in charge. We're not the ones who oversee a benevolent ministry or or charity or a homeless shelter. That's not our calling. That's not what it's to. And so we have to be careful because I think when we start thinking like that, we become like the people of verses one and two, where we are listening to the teachings of demons who are trying to off track, get off track the church for what it's actually called to do. You know, of saying, wouldn't this be a lot more enticing? It makes me think of the screw tape letters, how when they would talk, they'd be like, just get him to think about this. Mm-hmm. Point him to this, that this would be a little better. And in our logical minds of how we function in our society and in our business world, it's like, that does make sense. Mm-hmm. Right? And I think that is the teaching of of demons. It's not the teaching of God. It's, it's, it's Satan trying to twist us away from actually what is to be central and center. And sadly, as pastors, we we do this. I think we're all guilty of this. We look at the church down the road that has a few more people, and we're like, but if I did this, I could maybe be like that. Mm-hmm. you know. Yep. Or in our town, this happens in Monroe all the time. All of a sudden, one of the churches in town, something happens, and they're kind of the hot talk. And all of a sudden, they're taking people from other churches. And the question then is, what are they doing over there? Mm-hmm. Oh, they're doing that. And you want to be enticed by that because – the pride in your heart as a pastor or as a church member, I'm going to say that too, is you want your church to be the one people are talking about, that people are kind of excited about, that seems like the cool place, the hip place that has the pastor that everybody seems to like, you know, or the ministry that all the kids love being at and enjoy talking about. There's there's this sense that we have in us, and I think it's a sinful sense to want that. It's prideful. Instead of asking, are we are we a faithful church? Yeah. You know, are we doing what God has called us to do? And if we are, then great. Let's keep doing that. Sure. I think the that there's definitely an element of pride that a lot of pastors have. And I think all of us can say at the table, that's hard to not have that. Yes. And to fight against that. Mm-hmm. I mean it it I mean it does hurt when you hear somebody's left our church to go to a different church. Mm-hmm. Right. Especially if it's a church that you don't think is a doing faithful ministry. Mm-hmm. But I think the other desire that a lot of pastors have because the the passage says um, devoting themselves to deceitful spirits of just being deceived, pastors being deceived or um, church planters or whoever it is, being deceived into thinking that if you want to see people come to know Christ, because I think all pastors do want to see people saved um, or see people grow in their relationship with the Lord, that's a good desire. But the deceptive messages that are coming to them from those places, training them, saying, okay, if you want to see that, this is how you do that. They're being deceived, and they're also forgetting the way that the chapter ends when Paul tells Timothy, keep a close watch on yourself and the teaching, persist in this, for by so doing you will save both yourself and your hearers. Mm -hmm. And so I think a lot of times... If we are falling into that trap or if any pastor is falling into that trap to go away from a, a strong ministry of the word and of teaching, following these other things, whether it's leadership or whatever, out, out whatever you want to call it, following that, they're being deceived. And a lot of times they're being deceived because they have a desire for people to be saved. And what they need to be reminded of is this. The ministry of the word is what will save both yourself and your hearers. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we just need to be reminded mm-hmm. of that, mm-hmm. that it is the Word of God, like you were talking yeah. about, Spencer, that's doing the work. And, and remember, too, that just as much as we want people to be saved, God wants them to be saved more than I do. Yeah. And I'll let him do that and use me then to do that and let the Word of God be front and center. Um, and it's actually whenever you get to that, I mean, this is, again, right, the job of a pastor, like, like Dave alluded to from uh, the tail end of John's Gospel, uh, feed my sheep. Our job, we don't own the flock. We don't get to decide who's in the flock, really, even. We get to simply feed and love and take care of the sheep. That is the end of job. Mm -hmm. And it's God's flock. It's Jesus' flock. He's the chief shepherd. And our job is to feed them, To And we can't change the food they get. Um, You know, and I think that's that actually then really humbles what a pastor is. um, But it's also freeing. Because it's actually so simple, and we overcomplicate it. Now, it doesn't mean it's not difficult at times, and it doesn't mean that it's, um, 
and I, and like I've said before, I, the biggest challenge to my ministry is myself. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not the sheep. It's not anybody else. It's just me. Uh, but God does it through us and, uh, trust the word of God. And actually, whenever you do that, Jesus did say too, the sheep will hear my voice. They will come. Mm. And the question is, is, is Jesus lying or not? Mm. And I think, he, you know, he was telling the truth. They will hear my voice and they will come and there will be one flock and there will be one shepherd. I think one of the things too is, is whenever we go off on these other things and we talk about what the, the fads become, right? So for instance, the idea of having a pastor for vision, the ironic thing is there's many churches now that have vision pastors. So what began as something unique is now something everybody's doing. Hmm. And then you think about other kinds of ministries that people began to do everybody else starts doing them because they're trying to compete with everybody else. Mm -hmm. And if so, if you actually want to stand out, have a word of God ministry, you know, an ordinary baptism, Lord's supper, preached word, reading scripture ministry that will actually stand out. And I know talking to Tim recently, um, he's had some conversations with people that have come to the church and they said, there's, I mean, this is maybe tooting our own horn, but but I think it is true. It's not simply us. It's the church as a whole is they said, there's nothing else like this. We've looked for a church that, that basically is a preaching, teaching church Mm -hmm. that really takes this stuff seriously. And there's no other church around like this. And I think the point is, is whenever you actually then try to focus on scripture and the, the things that maybe we overlook because they're just so easy. Actually, that's what the sheep want. Mm. They need water because this, this, uh, you know, many churches are not giving the water and the food yeah. to the sheep. And so I just think the ironic thing is, is that whenever you do the things that seem boring or maybe not so spectacular, actually, that's what certain people are saying. There's water here. Mm-hmm. And it's not because we're special. It's just because the book is what it is. It's God's word mm-hmm. and God is working. And so mm-hmm. I think that's that's encouraging. And going along with that, is, is it Ezekiel 36, maybe around there where, you know, God is saying, woe to you, you know, to the Levites, to the priests, to the shepherds, because you are feeding yourselves Mm -hmm. and not feeding the flocks and they're vulnerable. And the picture is they're out in the world and they're being eaten up by predators. Mm -hmm. And that's a very daunting task. But I think the temptation is, like you said, for pastors to do everything but (laughs) focus on preaching the word. And yet that's the main thing, you know, Mm -hmm. and if we don't do that, then our sheep will be starving and they'll be vulnerable to the world out there to be eaten up by these predators, false doctrine and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. Yeah. So maybe something we can talk about, um, is, uh, there's people always listening to preaching, different preaching, right? Every church I think would say we're on the word of God. We stand on the word of God. And so here, at this church, we do have a stance on preaching and what is correct preaching and how to do it, how to do it well. I think all of us would, ag- would agree with this uh, as we talk about it quite often is one, we would say that our preaching needs to be exegetical. What does that mean to be exegetical in, in our preaching quickly? Can anybody say it? It means that, um, it basically means is that our preaching we don't we don't get to put our own ideas out there, but we're trying to pull out what is in the text mm-hmm. and make it plain to people. So it should be pulling out and making plain what is already in the words of the book. Yeah. So there's so exegesis is what you said. There's the opposite of that, right? Eisegesis, where you will see somebody using the Bible to further their cause and their purpose. So usually those people will take single verses or part of a verse or just a couple verse out of a long passage, it seems to be pretty popular too to take narrative and find something within a narrative passage in the Old Testament. Take that out and say, see, this is how you conquer your fear, right? See, this is how you do this or do that. And so we believe not in eisegesis. We want to come to the scripture passage and let it speak to us. What is it saying to us here, right? So that would be the first thing that we think is important. We also are pretty big on expositional preaching. So what's that? 
just verse by verse, you yeah. know, and it's the context, it's understanding, you know, what's the original intent of the author, and then going through it verse by verse, like you said, not skipping over, not picking and choosing, but just going verse by verse, book by book. Yes. Now, the ser- series we're in currently is not doing that. We're not right. being expositional because we're not just taking a passage and like walking our way through it. It is being more topical, but you can preach a topical message exegetically <laughs> and appropriately. And so you have uh, other things like systematic theology that will take uh, a topic like the Trinity and pull all of the passages everywhere in Scripture and come and say, this is what the Bible as a whole is teaching on this, right? And that's kind of what we're trying to do with this worship series is what is worship? Well, let's look at all of Scripture, and this is what we think Scripture is saying. What should be in this service? Well, as you look at all of Scripture, we think it, you know, it's saying it's saying this of what we should do. And so there's a way to be faithful in that too, but we would prefer to be exegetical and expositional. Mm-hmm. Um, for one, we think it's beneficial because then you have to talk about what's there. You can't really dodge anything. Second, I like it because I know what I'm preaching the next week. I don't have to be creative. This series has been difficult. Mm-hmm. Thinking through it, where am I going to go? This has been much harder than, say, okay, I'm preaching through Ephesians, and I'm in Ephesians 2 this week. I know this, right? I just got to study this passage. What does it say? Uh, it's very helpful in that way. And so we we think that that's important. And I would warn people to be pretty leery of churches that don't do that. If it's all topical all the time, you, I think you should be concerned. There's a reason to be concerned about that about that congregation, uh, about that, that preaching. Um if it if they're just doing little passages, one little line, right, and jumping off and then going off, I would be concerned about what is happening here, mm. right? What is being talked about here? Uh, and so we try to be true to those things that I said all, all the way across the board, right? So not just in the pulpit in the preaching, but in our Sunday school classes, in Bible studies, as Pastor Scott is teaching the youth. He's been going through Acts for seven years. For according to right. my kids, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, <laughs> no. sorry, guys. <laughs> no, we've <laughs> taken uh, breaks. <laughs> Aubrey did miss quite a bit, and she came back and she's like, "We're still an ass. <laughs> <laughs> We're barely halfway. <laughs> <laughs> it's been really good. Yeah, I've not been doing just one verse. I promise. <laughs> no, she's I've not done a whole chapter. They're not complaining. They're not complaining. I think. I mean, Tim, you even use that as an example in your sermon, uh, talking about. Part of the reason that people need to be there on Sunday is because you're going to hear teaching that you're not going to hear. It. You And you very, I think, truthfully pointed out that if you're a person who deals with anxiety, you're probably reading passages of, yeah. of the Bible that are more about having trust in the Lord, dealing with your anxieties, leaning on Him, finding refuge in Him. Those are good passages. You need those. Mm-hmm. But you need other passages, too. Yep. If you're a mother, you're probably looking at these passages. If you're a man, you're probably more interested in these. If you're a teenager, if you're reading your Bible, mm-hmm. you're probably more interested in those. You know, And that's that's a good point, and that's, that's why it's a, a pastor should discipline themselves to give the whole counsel of God, mm-hmm. not simply their favorite parts or the parts they're most familiar with, yep. mm-hmm. because God gave us— all scripture and it's all profitable yeah and that's important to point out because there are definitely passages that i really like and resonate with yeah yeah. and so when i'm up there preaching or teaching in sunday school or whatever those are the verses that pop in my head at times Mm -hmm. like romans 12 1 and 2 is verses i talk about all the time because they're very impactful to me and i do think they're important but that's what comes up a lot and so if you sit under my teaching and i'm not sticking to notes and really like planning my thoughts out you're probably going to hear that come up as I'm just discussing things. And there's other verses as well, and we're, we're all that way. Mm-hmm. But I have heard pastors before where you listen to them a lot, and it's like, I've heard this sermon 40 times because you say the same things. Mm-hmm. You're going back to the same verses, mm-hmm. right? You're just kind of winging this, it, it seems like. And, and you know this. You're, you're good at what you're talking about here. You know this, but you're not teaching me anything else. And it's because they're not doing it in an exposition way or in a way of exegesis where you can tell they've really studied this and thought through this and uh, used church history to help them with this. You know, we're not the first Christians. There's been Christians around for a really long time and some really smart ones who've been very helpful and wrote some helpful books Mm -hmm. and stuff that we should lean on and try to understand, 
right? As we're trying to uh, be taught, or mm-hmm. as we're trying to train, and then and then teach our our congregation as yeah. well. I think. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say one. You know, you you mentioned some <laughs> of the benefits of a pastor teaching that way exegeting a passage and then expositing mm-hmm. a passage, making it plain to them in their context and where they're at. Um, there's benefits to that for you as a pastor, but there's also great benefits to the church, uh, not only because they're hearing things that maybe they wouldn't have heard otherwise, but also because it it helps our church understand what they need to be doing when they are maybe reading their own Bible. Mm-hmm. And it's encouraging to know Oh, so for me to read and understand my Bible, I don't have to be super creative. I don't have to come up with a an outline of four words that all start with P to be able to understand what this is saying to me. I just need to be able to try to understand what Paul is saying to Timothy and then maybe think of a few ways that links to my life, how what's true for Timothy is true for me. Mm-hmm. I need this. He needed this. Yeah, it's It makes reading your own Bible a lot less intimidating, mm-hmm. I think. Mm-hmm. Dave, you had some. Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, kind of going on the counsel of God. You know, I, I found too, like in my previous church, that it was very top heavy with New Testament. And it was very, like, very similar kind of, you know, it was more topical, before, you know, before I came and stuff. And so I was teaching through Old Testament books. You know, I was trying to do every other, I was trying to do New Testament and Old Testament. And people would come up to me and say, I've never have heard anything about this book. You know, I mean, this is just kind of brand new. And I recently, you know, uh, a young, young, younger man, uh, told me that growing up in church, he's like, I, he's like, I don't really know the Old Testament. I just basically know the New Testament, and and I think that's part of the issues with dispensationalism. I know that's a whole another issue that's kind of been the last, you know, how how many years that's affected more evangelical Protestantism. Protestant. Protestant. Ism. You're good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that <laughs> but um, and I think that's that's what's so important about exegetical and exposi- and, and expository preaching is that it, you you cover the whole counsel of God. It's not just like okay, only New Testament. We're a New Testament church. We are the church. You know, and that's both old and new. So anyway, I was going to say that based on your comments. Yeah. Yeah. But the other thing I wanted to say, uh, real quick, I read a I read a thing that Christopher Ash said in his book Priority of Preaching that I think would be. Uh, controversial today because uh, he says the authority of God is exercised not by the written word but by the written word preached and I was thinking about this Scott as you were talking because a lot of people would say I do not need the pastor to go up there and tell me what the Bible says I can read it at home and I can understand it myself and I've heard people say and I, I don't think I like when they say this they'll say the Bible is very clear and easy Sure. I mean, kind of, but it's also very hard and difficult because if I go tell somebody, hey, go read through the Bible, it's going to take them a long time to read through the Bible. They're not going to do it in a day. They're not going to do it in a week. It's going to take them a while to do it. And by the time they read Leviticus and then get to Hebrews, they're going to be like, I kind of forgot Leviticus. But you need to know Leviticus to really grab Hebrews, Hmm. right? And so there's this study. And so there, there is a way to study the Bible so that we can get out of it what God wants us to get out of it. Now, I'm not calling people dumb. I think people are smart people, and I think they should read the Bible on their own for sure. But there is a reason that God has ordained men pastor to be pastors, and it says to teach. And the fact is, you need that, and I need that. When I read the Bible, I hardly ever read it on my own. Like, just, here's Tim's thoughts. That, that hardly ever happens I go to books, I'll go to people that I trust, right? And I'm like, what are they saying this says? This is what I think it says. This is what I was reminded of, you know, when I was reading this. Oh, it made me think of something in the Old Testament or whatever. But I want to make sure that what I'm thinking is actually on par with what quite a few people have been thinking. Because if it's an outlier and all of a sudden it's like, I don't think I'm the first one ever to find this. And if I think I am, I'm probably wrong, right, of what I'm seeing here. And so I don't want people to think, I'll just read the, the Bible myself because I'm smart enough to figure it out. No. Just like with math. Give me a math book. I can read it, but it doesn't mean I know how to do that now. But if you give me a teacher, someone to teach me this and to help me along with it and to give me examples, right, and to be there with me, all of a sudden that math starts to come alive and I start to figure it out. Right. And I start to grasp it. And then I can go read that math book again on my own. And it's like, oh, okay, some things are making some sense. Right. But I've had help all along the way. 
And God has given us that and, and people called to do that for us. And it's our pastors. Mm-hmm. Right. And so don't get away from that. Instead, I'd say push into that. I would just, I mean, to a person who would say that, that they don't need to listen to it preached because it makes sense on its own and they don't need any helps or resources like what you were talking about. I mean, it's pretty clear throughout history there have been a lot of false teachers that have gone astray. Mm-hmm. What makes you think you're not capable of that? Mm-hmm. Honestly, what makes you think that you're not capable of going astray like so many others have before you? Um, I just think that's a very prideful thing to think, and you should be a lot more cautious of your own of our own failings. Yeah, and this is why, because somebody might push back at you, Scott, and say, well, what, what if you're teaching me and you've gone astray? Well, the Bible's actually set up parameters for that mm-hmm. because Paul told Timothy, find other men to surround yourself with who are who you are going to call pastors, elders, and you guys do this together. Yeah, yeah so, I, so I would do it in the context of a church. Yeah, yeah. Not yeah, just right. as a, there's accountability. a teaching ministry of Scott yeah, there's or a, of Tim or mm-hmm. whatever. It's like, yeah, there's accountability within the confines yeah. of a church. And there are some churches that don't do that. You know, mm-hmm. and Baptist churches are pretty guilty of that, right? They have the pastor, and then they have some deacons under him, mm-hmm. but there's no real accountability. It's the pastor just ruling the roost kind of and going away, and that's that's not a good place to be. Mm-hmm. That To me, that's just as dangerous as the celebrity pastor of the huge church who everybody's on that guy's charisma, mm-hmm. right? It, you got to be careful with that. You have to have humility to surround yourself with people who can speak into the things you're teaching, right? Mm-hmm. Who can question you, uh, who help you alongside, right? To, to, I'm not saying do your studying for you and stuff, but like who can discuss it with you mm-hmm. because of that, because all of us could easily go astray mm-hmm. into false teaching. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what, Paul's encouraged Timothy up, right? Mm-hmm. Stay mm-hmm. true. Yeah. Stay true to this. It's also why Paul earlier in this book would talk about the, the needed qualifications mm-hmm. for pastors that yeah. be very careful who you appoint over yourself as a pastor. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, when yeah. Spencer first got here, we were really afraid he was going to become a celebrity, so we were talking about this a lot. You remember that? I mean, he guy? basically is. He has his own <laughs> podcast with his face on Your it. face is right there. Yeah. It's right up there. Yeah, yeah my kids love that. Yeah. But remember yeah. we were talking about the idea of celebrity pastors and how uh, we were talking about how scary it is. Mm-hmm. And one of the scariest thoughts I think would that would be to become one of those mm-hmm. by, by accident. You know, even if I think about that, even if, cause we, I don't, I don't remember the exact conversation Spencer, but we were just talking about like how that just doesn't seem to be faithful. That church is riding on this celebrity person. And I remember my, one of my questions when we were talking about that was, but what if the guy didn't go out to be that? You know, what if he was just being faithful, teaching, preaching the word of God, and people were coming, like Spurgeon comes to mind, right? And all of a sudden, his popularity is blowing up. What do you, what do, you do about that? You know, how, how, do you, how do you then handle that? Because no doubt there are people there just based off of, of you. You know, and what do you do in that situation? And I found myself more and more, I don't think that would ever happen to me. I'm not like concerned about that, but that would be like a prayer of God. Don't ever let that happen Mm -hmm. because in my flesh, I think I would be like, oh, this is awesome. What can I do to keep it going? You know, oh, oh, more money is rolling in. Oh, more people are liking me. Like a lot of people are being very nice and kind to me. How can I, how can I let this keep happening? Um, And so there, there is that worry, you know, of would I stay would I stay true and Lord keep me from that? I don't. I don't want to be that. But sadly, I think a lot of churches that might be their desire for their pastor. Yeah, and that shouldn't be what we want. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it leads to uh, a healthy thing. And so, yeah, yeah. There was there was no Apostle Paul Ministries. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> like right. that's um, he yeah. always went with other people too. It wasn't. Um, Paul being, I'm going to use the word platformed, and he definitely had a unique role, but he always was humble enough, uh, and not simply humble enough, but just that's just the way Christianity works. The way the Bible works yes. is you have other people with you. And there's um, always going to be leaders, right? There's always going to be people, right? There's always going to be preachers definitely. who preach better than others. There's sure. always going to be teachers who seem to teach better than others, right? Uh, 
who people like to listen to more mm-hmm. and that and that's okay I, i'm not i'm not talking about that i'm just saying sure like i i don't want people we're going through this series in public worship maybe i think i've said it but one of the things important is that you're here mm-hmm. and there's and there's something to that you know you your pastor cannot be a guy in california and you be in michigan or in arizona right or in ohio or i guess it could be in ohio if you drive to toledo uh <laughs> You know, but it, it just, that doesn't work mm-hmm. because that guy, he doesn't know you. He doesn't know your context. He doesn't know your situation. It's just something so different. God has organized the church to have local churches with pastors over them who care for those sheep who he's brought to them mm-hmm. and to preach to them. And so if you're a part of a church and you're like, well, my pastor's just not as exciting as whoever you want to put in there, pastor name, whoever it is you listen mm-hmm. to. The question would be, is the guy faithful to preaching you the word of God right. and teaching you the word of God? Mm-hmm. Like, is he doing exegesis? Is he studying well, uh, it? It's, it's, it's kind of like what Spurgeon said, right? Other people may preach the gospel better, but they can't preach a better gospel. Right, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think, um, I do think there's something worth considering that we often hear that phrase, the medium is the message. And... This goes back to that difference because some people will say, well, what's the difference between me just reading my Bible and going to hear preaching? Well, the medium, the medium that you hear the word of God through um, <clears throat> reading versus hearing a proclamation does it, it impacts you in a different way. Yeah. And it's fascinating how um, even even in the Old Testament, particularly, I mean, this has always been the way, but especially maybe even more pronounced in the the since Christ has come, gospel is good news. It is a proclamation that God has done something. And that's what um, Isaiah 52, 7, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. And similarly, Jesus says that this is fulfilled in him when he goes to proclaim liberty to the captives. Gospel is by its nature inherently a proclamation of freedom, remission of sins, liberty. And there is something different. Uh, The message isn't different. And we're not saying you can't be saved by reading the Bible. But the medium does impact how you receive the message. And there's a reason why it's, it's just fitting that the gospel message is not simply read about, but it's preached about. Because also that is a public nature too. We're not saying go read your Bibles at home in your own secret places. The gospel message is a public proclamation of, in a sense, amnesty, of forgiveness of sins uh, through Christ and because of what he's done. And so that public nature, but also just the, the nature of what the message is, um, is, is inherently tied up with a, with a preaching, a proclamation um, and I think we, a declaration, and I do think there's something worth reflecting on the fact that the medium impacts the message, mm-hmm. or at least the way you hear that message. Yeah. I was just going to say, uh, uh, not last week, but the week before that, since we were talking about my series through Acts with the youth that they're tired of by now, uh, in Acts 14, when Paul and Barnabas are in Lystra, and he's preaching to them, he's sharing the word with them. He, he heals somebody. So this isn't a one-to-one comparison for celebrity pastors, but he heals somebody. They start worshiping them mm-hmm. like they're gods. Right. And I mean, like what you said, Tim, if for some reason, all of a sudden our ministry took off one day and people just started coming in droves, which would be, I mean, good if people are coming in for the right reason and hearing the gospel and responding. I pray that if... If that tendency in people started to happen of, I come here because of Tim or Scott or Dave or Spencer, I my prayer would be that our response would be the same as what Paul's was. It's like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. Don't offer us sacrifices. We are men like you, and this is what you need to be worshiping instead, the one true God. Um, especially because right after that happened, he was stoned. And I don't want to get stoned to be humbled by the Lord, but, um, but yeah, it that was i think that's just an applicable yeah. <laughs> example of you know when mm-hmm. when that happens divert their attention bring them back to the word where it needs to be yeah that's a good point 
Well, in saying that, go to timico.com ministries and you can <laughs> yes. subscribe to my channel. <laughs> you we got new swag that you can get. <laughs> new beard oil. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. There's oh, two beards here. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you guys can promote the oil. Yeah. The, yeah well, two beards you and can a beard. A beard in a day. I can see that. <laughs> Scott, the, the oil could be poured on Scott's head and it would and be fulfilled like, Abra- yeah. like that, that, that psalm. Yeah. It flows <laughs> down from the, the beard of Aaron and it, yeah. psalm. 133. That's the worst thing about not having hair is that you don't have it. Ca- it doesn't keep the sweat back. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it just goes right mm-hmm. down into your eyes. Yeah. yeah. That in winter. You always have that cold yeah. head. Mm-hmm. I'll put a hat on. That's okay. Yeah. I can wear a hat. Yeah. You yeah. wear a hat in the church building. I've seen you do that during yeah, wintertime. Yeah. Sometimes. You don't have yeah. to do shampoo or conditioner really either up there. Oh, my just, beard I do. Yeah. But not <laughs> up at the top. No. Let no. it just let the water hit. No. Yeah. Yeah. How'd we get to this? Celebrity start pastors. talking about beards. <laughs> the oil, beard oil. Oh, yeah. I mean, that would help. I mean, people would probably come more often if we all had really nice beards. If we, yeah, yeah probably would. Yeah. I, yeah, never mind. Oh, man. <laughs> Spencer, you started growing a beard. Da, I, yeah, I, I don't like, I, I don't like the way it makes my face feel. Yeah. I'm not, like, man, you mean it. manly? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can take it however you want to take that. I have a picture That's of Martin Luther with no beard. Okay. Oh, there days. you go. There you go. Spurgeon had a beard, but I have yeah, a picture of Martin Luther with no beard. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. he was yeah. a big man like Look me. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, he had a beard one time whenever he was hiding out in mm-hmm. the tower after being kidnapped. Yeah. But um Okay. Well yeah. anyway, let's do a soul patch. That's I <laughs> soul patch. It works. All right. Well, next week, uh, the focus is on prayer and singing as we start to look at our response to the Word of God. So we've looked at, in public worship, how God speaks to us, Lord's Supper, baptism, reading of His Word, and the preaching of His Word. And so now it's our response, prayer and singing. And so we're looking forward to that this coming Sunday. Also, don't forget, uh, members of Normation Baptist Church, uh, this coming Sunday evening is our Pi Fellowship. So we meet in the Fellowship Hall at our normal time of 6 o'clock. We'll do some singing together, and then we'll transition to the Fellowship Hall and have some pie together. And so you're supposed to bring pie, uh, you know, the best pie that you make, and bring it. And I guess it, does, it doesn't have to be a dessert pie. It could be a, a pot pie if you wanted, right? That would be acceptable. We'll take both. Yeah, we would take any anything like that. So uh, <clears throat> look forward to seeing you guys. Sweeney Todd. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Anyways, do you, do you know that? You don't know? Okay. Anyways. We'll talk about it after the podcast. Yeah. Well, we look forward to seeing you on Sunday, Lord willing. Uh, and we hope that this week is a blessed week. God bless.